Welcome to the Hendersonville Church of Christ. We're glad to have you. And I appreciated the presentation Tony made just a few moments ago about those who work Sunday in, Sunday out, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday afternoon, our small group, Wednesday night Bible classes. We always have people who are up in the sound booth and they're, they're just doing a fantastic job. Uh, several years ago, uh, I got to talking about the person running the sound, and uh, I guess he didn't like it, and he, he turned me off right in the middle of the lesson. I mean, he just turned me off, and I'm like, okay, they do wield a tremendous amount of power. But let me tell you, they are such a wonderful blessing. Uh, June and I have a son and daughter-in-law who do that, uh, not just one service, but two services at the church where they attend. So it is such an important ministry. Uh, very important announcement. Today is trunk or treat. Today is an opportunity for us as a church to make a difference in our community. Uh, we'll be meeting over here in Imperial Square uh, at four o'clock. Actually, if you've got trunks, you need to be there earlier than that and get set up. And we'll have kids coming through from about four o'clock to six o'clock. And we have just literally hundreds and hundreds of kids that come through. And it's a wonderful time to meet uh, Hendersonville folk and to show the love that we have for this community. And you can still sign up for a trunk. We still have plenty of room, so go online, sign up. We'll be happy to get you there, bring your candy, and let's just uh, say to our community how much we love them today. And then on a different note, uh, last Sunday, worshiping with us was a dear brother, Weldon Bunch. Weldon was sitting right back here. Uh, sitting by his sister Wanda. Wanda's here today. Uh, Weldon suffered a medical emergency on Thursday, passed away Friday night. And our hearts are broken over that. Uh, Weldon was such a cheerful, happy, excited to be here person. And we're going to miss him dearly. Wanda, our hearts go out to you, to all of your family, to his sons and family. And so, uh, please remember them. Funeral arrangements have not been completed yet. We'll pass that along as soon as we hear. But if you would, uh, you know, as Troy was mentioning a while ago, when he says, what are you worried about right now? Uh, we all bring to our services worries of different kinds, uh, health care worries, family worries, spiritual worries. And uh, let's pause as we begin this morning, as we continue a series called Stages of Spiritual Growth. Let, let's pause. Let's ask God's blessing to be upon our church family, upon our friends, loved ones that are going through worries right now as uh, we begin to enter into God's Word. Let's pray. Father, you are the God of all creation, from everlasting to everlasting. You made us in your image. And Father, we ruined that image cause of our sinfulness, but you were, you were unwilling to leave us in that state. And so you sent Jesus, your son, to begin the process of renewing everything. And Father, not only did he die on the cross for our sins, but he died to heal us. He, he died to give us life and life everlasting. And Father, this morning as we come together, we come together with worries of all kinds, heartaches of all kinds, concerns of all kinds. You know each one. Father, we mentioned the loss of our brother Weldon. 
We pray your richest blessings to be upon him, his family, and, and, and Wanda as they mourn his passing. But Father, many gather here today with doctor's appointments and surgeries upcoming, some as soon as, Father, just tomorrow, and, and we pray blessings to be upon each one. And Father, comfort to those who are sad, and Father, spiritual healing to those who are spiritually ill. And Father, Jesus is the great physician, and it's our great privilege to pray all of this in his blessed name. Amen. John, in his little epistle, picks up on a, a theme that he writes in both his gospel as well as his letters, which is that of spiritual growth. He talks about what it means to develop as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ. You turn over to John chapter 3, you have Jesus meeting with Nicodemus and John recording that story, how that Jesus said to him, you've got to be born again, you've got to be born from above. You've got to be born of water and the Spirit. It begins with a new birth. And then when you turn over to his little epistle of five chapters, he, in, in chapter 2, describes three different stages of spiritual growth. Now, they're not in order. It's basically a chiastic pattern there that was used in, in the ancient world. But notice the different classifications. And this is from the Passion Translation, translation that I really like sometimes. It says, I remind you, dear children, and we talked about that stage last week, the adolescent, child, adolescent stage of spiritual growth. I remind you, dear children, your sins have been permanently removed because of the power of his name. Just kind of a basic fact. You've come to know Jesus. You've been born again of water and the spirit, and your sins have been taken away. I remind you, fathers and mothers. In, in the Greek, it's just fathers, but oftentimes that word fathers is indicative of parents in general. So I remind you, fathers and mothers, again, not physical fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers, those who have made disciples, who are making disciples. I mean, he says, I remind you that you have a relationship with one who has existed from the beginning, kind of describing an advanced level of understanding who Jesus is. And today we come to the one that I want us to focus on. And I remind you, young people, young adults, and again, not biological young adults, spiritual young adults, those who are really beginning to grow in the faith. They've, they've been born again. They've gone through the, the, child, the, the childlike faith. They've gone through the adolescent faith. And now they're, they're, they become young adults in Jesus Christ's family. And he says, you have defeated the evil one. Now, when you think about this whole concept here, I want to remind you once again of something I introduced uh, back uh, last week, and that is this spiritual syndrome X. Now, I added the word spiritual to it. Syndrome X is a physical problem that uh, some, very few, but it is, it's, it does happen, of where someone will be born, they'll start growing, they'll get around about age two, and then their body stops growing. They just stop. And, and they could live to be in their teens and their 20s, but they still look like someone who is two years old. Their body doesn't develop, their brain doesn't develop, and doctors and, and scientists cannot figure out what's causing that. Well, I think there's the same thing that happens to us sometimes spiritually, is that we're born again, we, we become Christians, and we grow for a while, but then we stop growing. In fact, Jesus acknowledged that in his parable of the souls. 
He says, the seed that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, notice what happens. Troy talked about the incredible country we were born into. Blessings beyond some of our wildest imaginations, and that's true. But it's also fraught with incredible dangers. Because these incredible blessings can become things that choke us. Notice what he says. They're choked by life's worries. We've talked about that. But also life's riches. I mean, if you're not careful, the next thing is like, wow, my value is determined by how much I'm worth. Really? Is that how you determine how much you're, you're worth? And then the pleasures of life. And let's face it, we live in a world that, boy, you just think about all the opportunities. I mean, if you like football, boy, it's your time of year, it. I mean, if you like baseball, here we go. I mean, we got the World Series coming up. It is coming up, right? I, you can tell I'm not a baseball fan. Miss Jane is coming up, right? Okay, you got the World Series. You know, if you like basketball, it's coming in soon. I mean, ha- have y'all ever noticed how many opportunities our kids have now? I mean, when I was a, a child, when I was a, you know, second, third, fourth grade, all you had was Little League Baseball in the summer. That was it. Little League Baseball. My grandkids, they play everything. I mean, they're in soccer. They're in basketball. They're in baseball. They're in spring uh, baseball and summer baseball and then fall baseball. I mean, every time I turn around, the grandkids are like, hey, they're playing this or they're playing that or they're going here and they're going there. Boy, it's just an opportunity for us to enjoy life. But it can have negative effect. We can become so busy in this world that we forget about what God has called us to as disciples of Jesus. And so let's look at this next stage of, of spiritual growth called the young adult stage. And I want to go back to that text there in 1 John chapter 2. Uh, notice he begins, by the way, there's two sections to it. It's almost like it's a song. And so he addresses them in the first section, comes back in the second section, where he expands each one of them just a little bit. Notice here, I write these things to you, dear children, because you truly have a relationship with the Father. In the first one, your sins have been taken away. Now you have a relationship with God. So he expands it just a little bit. I write these things, fathers and mothers, because you've had a relationship with him who is from the beginning. Notice the emphasis here in both instances with relationships. And then he says this about the young adults. I write uh, these things, young people, because you are strong. The word of God is treasured in your hearts, and you have defeated the evil one. Basically, what John is saying is you've gotten to the stage of where you can truly be what God has called you to be in all of his completeness. And, And he basically describes it in three ways. Number one, you've become strong. And can we admit that? I mean, even physically, most people are strongest in their late teens, 20s, maybe early 30s. You watch people who play football. I mean, these college athletes, man alive. Isn't it amazing I mean, how strong they are? I mean, you sit there and you watch them and you're like, wow. And, and, they, and they play through their 20s up until their 30s. And then something starts happening. Body starts breaking down, doesn't it? I mean, the next thing you know, and of course, as you get older, we all know what happens to that strength. I was talking to some uh, this morning about kneeling and how that I love to kneel for prayer. I hate to get up when I kneel. 
I mean, if I'm not near something, I'm stuck. I mean, how in the world do you get up? I mean, all at once, that strength we had in our youth begins to fade away. But spiritual strength is different from physical strength. One of the things Paul talks about when he talks about his strength, I want you to look at this. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more uh, gladly about my weaknesses. And you're like, wait, wait a minute, what? Yeah, I want to boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And you look at that and you go, okay, Paul, where are you going with this? Look at what he says. He says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. I mean, you look at that and you go, wait a minute, he did not say he delighted in that. He did. He delights in it. I've got a preacher friend who loves church fusses. He loves church fusses. And and you're like, why in the world do you want to get involved in a church fuss? And he says that's because that's when reconciliation can take place. That's when healing can take place. He says, I love to be there when I see people change their hearts and change their minds. And basically, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, when I find myself in weakness, guess what? Now, the way he describes it in the next verse is one of the classic paradoxes. Clyde has shared this with us multiple times, Clyde, in especially our Sunday, Sunday afternoon Bible study. But notice some of the incredible paradoxes, and y'all fill in the blanks for me. Anyone who wants to be first must be very last. Yeah, you want to be first? You got to be last, Jesus said. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, your slave. You're like, that doesn't sound like greatness to me. There's the paradox. Whoever loses their life for me will gain it. Yeah, or save it. I mean, you, you get these, Jesus saying, listen, I know you look at it this way, but here's the way it actually is. And notice this one. Again, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, the very next verse in our passage. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Ephesians 6, 10, right before this beautiful text on putting on the armor of God, Paul says, for finally be strong in the Lord. Notice that. Not, not in you. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so the first characteristic of young adulthood is they're strong. They, they've learned to trust the power of God in their lives. Number two, you treasure the word of God. Boy, this is huge. John 6, 63. Jesus says some things in the Gospel of John. John records them. Uh, they're not found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're fascinating because I think sometimes we, we just kind of read over them without pausing and letting it sink in. Listen to what Jesus said. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, Jesus says, they are full of the Spirit and they're full of light. We call these the red letters, right? I mean, you open up your Bible and you're like, here's, here's Jesus' own words. Jesus says, listen, my words are full of the power of the Spirit of God and they're full of life itself. He goes on and he says, anyone who loves me going to obey my words. They're going to obey my teachings. My Father will love them. We'll come into them. We'll make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching or my words. 
These words you hear. Boy, this is what we need to let sink in. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. I cannot emphasize enough the power of the words of this book. Inspired by God himself and empowered. I mean, the Hebrew writer would say, listen, they're not just words, but they are alive and they're powerful. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, I love what Paul said to them. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. And so Paul, I mean, he, he's emphasizing just the power of God's word in the life of believers, the exact same thing that John stated. Psalm 119, well, the you know, longest psalm in, in, in the entire Bible, beautiful psalm, all about the word of God. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Uh, I don't know if you love honey. I do. Uh, I've always loved honey. I always have a battle in my head. If I've got a nice buttered biscuit, do I put honey on it or do I put sorghum molasses? How many of y'all would put sorghum molasses? Okay, the rest of you need to repent. All right, there we go. Sweet, sweet. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word. I hate every wrong path. Why? Because your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. That's the path I travel on. And so John says, when you get stronger, guess what? You're going to fall in love with God's word. We'll talk more about that in a second. And then number three, you've defeated the evil one. Now, it's very important to realize here, when he says you defeated the evil one, it doesn't mean the evil one is still not coming after you. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and, and do not live out the truth. He says, listen, if you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you have left the path of darkness. And to use the words of John, and we walk in the path of light as he is in the light. And when we're in that path, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But notice the very next thing he says. Yes, once we begin to follow Jesus, the blood of Jesus is there constantly forgiving us. But it doesn't stop Satan from coming after us. In fact, he writes in the very next verse, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We're still going to mess up. A good preacher friend of mine was talking recently to a bunch of us fellow preachers, and he said, I was coming back from a lectureship one time. I'd been in lectureship all week long, and I was heading home. He, he lived at that time in Georgia, and he says, I was heading back to Georgia. And I was going down the road. It was dark when all at once blue lights came on behind. Don't you love when that happens? I mean, isn't that one of those feelings where you're like, oh, great. And he looked down at, at his speed speedometer, and he was going 53 miles an hour in a 55. And he turned to his wife and said, all right, how fast am I going? 53. Just needed a witness in case we need to, you know, go to court. And, and so the police officer gets out, and he comes up, and he says, Sir, are you, are you okay? And he says, Yeah, is there a problem? He said, Well, I've been following you for several miles, 
and you've gone over the yellow line on, you know, on this side three times and off the right edge of the road a couple of times. I just, you, you haven't been drinking, have you? He's like, no, I don't drink. He said, are you tired? And he said, I am tired. He said, well, can you maybe try to keep it more toward the center? And he said, well, I do tend when I drive to go this way and this way and this way and this way. And then he said this to us. He said, but guys, I was still on the right road. So I made it home. I think that's a good description of most of us. Occasionally, we go over the line. And then we go off the edge of the road over here. I mean, June's favorite sound is the sound of, you know those things they cut into the edge of the road to let you know you're going off? I mean, when I get over there, June says, you know that sound there for a reason. I said, of course it is. It's there to wake you up. Okay. I don't know if you drive that way, but I do. By the way, we 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 bought a, a, a new vehicle last year, and it's one of those uh, vehicles with driver assist. I don't know if y'all have one of those. Mine works all the time. I mean, I'm going down the road, but I, okay, I get back over here, and then it shakes again, and I'm like, wow, I'm glad I've got driver's assist. Guess what? We all have spiritual driver's assist. It's Jesus Christ. As long as we're staying on the right road, His blood is there forgiving us. When we do fall, we're going to fall. But that doesn't mean that we haven't defeated the evil one. In fact, Ephesians 6, after he says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And he said, Put on the full armor of God. Why? So you take your stand. Look at the language there. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. And he goes on to describe how that we don't fight against flesh and blood but against the spiritual forces and powers of evil. And verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because it does, mine comes almost every day. He says, when that day comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And that's what God calls us to do. Three words describe, I think, this stage of spiritual development. And I hope you'll listen very carefully. Number one is purpose. You know, I, I think as young Christians, oftentimes, we're still trying to figure out our purpose in life itself. But as we get older, we begin to realize, you know what? There's a purpose that, that God has for us. And, and you begin to, to figure it out and to sense it. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Paul says to the Colossians, listen, one of the things you got to do if you follow Jesus, you got to divert your attention. You got to set, notice what he says, you got to, because you've been ra uh, raised with Christ, you got to set your hearts on things above, not, not on things of the earth. you got to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. In other words, your mind and your heart, your head and your heart, both get reoriented so that they're focused on what God wants for your life. Here is Romans 8.28, a passage a lot of us are familiar with. You know, all things work together for good to those. Watch the Passions translation. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, for we are his lovers. He loved us, we love him in return, who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. It was so awesome to be in church today. 
You know, I, I have found that that people respond to worship in one of two ways. If if we're not mature in the faith yet, it's oftentimes I'm not sure I got anything out of that today. You know, I mean, I mean, Blake was just slightly off in the song service. Now he's never been, but but some people might accuse him of that. And I sure didn't get anything out of the sermon. You know, and in fact, I didn't even get a good nap out of it. Okay, well that that might happen. As opposed to someone who says, wow, what a blessing to be among God's people today. I mean, again, you're seeing life very different. Why? Because your mind's set on things above. Number two is the word priorities. You begin to realize that, you know what? This life is too short for me to focus on things that are not important. And so you begin to focus on things that are important. Paul says, in particular, other people. I love this language here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. That's what we do, you know, when we're still in that childlike, you know. I mean, we all know about our, our little grandkids who, you know, you give them a toy and all at once, it's mine. You know, you try to take it away. No, it's mine. Whereas when we get older in life, you know what? Nothing's mine anymore. I mean, what's important is blessing the lives of others. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. I ask you a question. Who are you serving? Right now in your life, if you were asked the question, who besides your family and your friends are you serving? Could you name someone? Could you say, yeah, yeah, this my next door neighbor over here, you know, they're, they're having health problems and I, I'm mowing their yard for them. Oh, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, I volunteer every week over at this organization that helps people. I mean, who are you serving? Is it just yourself or is it others? It'll say something about where you are spiritually. We've gotten a lot of new families recently. I want to help start it. New small groups that they feel at home here. I mean, this is kind of the language you hear from someone who realizes, you know what? God has other, other purposes for my life and my priorities need to change. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, I don't want to change my small group. I like everybody in my small group. They like me, and we want to stay just as we are. Really? I mean, is it about us, or is it about others? And then number three is place. And I love this in Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Translated very simply, God puts us where he wants us to be. Notice, all these are the work of the one in the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Paul over in Romans would say, you know, some people's gift is generosity. Then they should give generously. Some people's gift is encouragement. Then encourage people. If it's serving, then serve. Is it leadership? Then leaders, then lead with integrity. I mean, God has placed us literally as parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to I mean, aren't you glad that that Blake is our song leader in, in, instead of some of you, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. By the way, including me, I can't do what he does. I mean, I appreciate our praise team. What beautiful singing. Uh, those who worship online get to hear all the different harmonies of good a cappella singing because of our praise team that's so gifted, and then our people who greet people as they come in the door. By the way, think about those who come in early every Sunday just to make you coffee to keep you awake during my sermon. 
Aren't they great? Ah, uh, where can I use my gifts and talents? That's what Ken wants to know. By the way, where can you use them? Right up there in the booth. Okay, you can push a button right, left, up, down. We need your gifts. And so what do spiritual young adults need? Number one, simply help in identifying one's spiritual gift. I love the story in Acts of after, after Saul of Tarsus had been converted, he, he disappeared into Arabia for three years. He comes back. He begins to preach in Damascus. They threaten his life. He heads down to Jerusalem and goes to church on Sunday morning. And as soon as he gets to the door, the deacons are there. They got the doors locked, and they call the police over, and we're not letting him in. And dear old brother Barnabas, and I don't know how Barnabas knew about him, but he had heard about it, and he came over and he said, okay, guys, we need to let him in. He's not the Saul of Tarsus we used to know. And boy, he let him in. Well, Paul disappears for about 10 years after that. And, and everybody's like, where did he go? Well, he went back home to Tarsus. In the meantime, there's a, a new church planted way up in Antioch, north of Jerusalem. And the elders down in Jerusalem, they send Barnabas up there to help strengthen the church. And Barnabas gets there, and he realizes very quickly, I need help. And so he takes off, and he goes, and he finds Saul over in Tarsus. And he says, I've got a job for you. I want you to come and help me with a brand-new church at Antioch. And they come over there, and, man, the church just begins to take off. And by the way, notice the last line, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Why? Because Barnabas saw a spiritual gift in Saul of Tarsus and through the power of Jesus Christ helped develop it. Number two, place to serve. Acts 6, 3 and 4, they had a need. They had widows there at the church there in, in Jerusalem. What would be taken care of? People began to complain. The elders were like, what are we supposed to do? Leave? Leave the work of, 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 of the ministry of the word and and in prayer, in order to wait on tables, and the, and, and the apostles said, no, simply go and appoint people who can do that. And that's exactly what they did. We usually call them the first deacons. I mean, sometimes you just need a help, you know, in, in showing where you can plug in at. And then number three is encouragement. Don't we all need encouragement? I know I do. Uh, June and I, our youngest son, Kyle, he, he works in the banking business. And, and June and I have, uh, uh, we have this running joke that, yeah, if you'll just give Kyle one encouraging word, he can run on that for a month. I mean, he thrives on encouragement. And I think that's true of all of us. And so as you go this week, can I challenge you three things? Number one, how much time do you spend in the Word? Do you love it? Do you cherish it? If not, maybe it's time to start a new habit. Number two, what's your spiritual gift? And again, if you need help, find an older friend who knows you well and simply say to them, what do you think I'd be good at? And, and oftentimes older, those more mature Christians can help you in that process. And then number three, are you serving others? And by the way, that's pretty easy. That's as easy as going and getting someone a cup of coffee and taking it to them in class. Uh, I'm going to pick on old buddy Trauber back here. Buddy comes in first thing on Sunday morning, goes to the back, fixes him a cup of coffee. And then he fixes me a cup, and it's sitting right down there. Buddy, thank you. Thank you for your kindness. It's just simple things of serving others. Now, I don't know where you are in your walk with God, 
I don't know if you've stalled. I don't know. Maybe you've never been born again of water and the Spirit. Uh, as we sing this next song, we'll have elders afterwards out in the front as well as the back for you. The name tag says elders. If you need to obey the gospel, they'll arrange it. If you need prayers, they'll pray with you. I'm going to be down here as well. Let us know how we can help. Right now, let's go. We stand and sing.